so glad to be here with you girls. And like I said, I know I'm not Mary Ann. I know I'm not a replacement for Mary Ann. I think that they were going with the tall blonde theme and the short brunette crashed the party. But I am. I'm really happy to be here with you girls. And um, I did. I grew up in here. And I think I started coming to school here when I was 15. And then I married the high school pastor. And then we came back. And now I'm here. And a couple of you have said, does this mean you're back? And no, we're not back. But I love you. And I come back any chance I can. And we are still out in the desert. And I can't leave right now because it's nice weather. So if I come back, it'll be in like... February or whenever it gets hot. I don't know. So let's go ahead and pray. God, we are so grateful to be here and to hear from you, Jesus. We are so grateful that you are Emmanuel, God with us, that God, you have come to save, that you've come to redeem, that you've come to restore, that you've come to bring joy. And we pray that you would crash into this room tonight with your joy, with your comfort, with your peace, with your love, with your grace. God, would you pour out your joy upon each and every precious girl in this room and those watching online. We just pray, Lord, that you, God, would be lifted high. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So during the Han Dynasty in the 3rd century BC, an old man living on China's border one day lost his horse. His neighbors all said, oh, that's such terrible luck. And they sympathized with the old man. But Tsai Wang said, well, maybe so, maybe not. How do we know? And lo and behold, the next day, the old man's horse returned together with a beautiful female horse alongside of him. And all the neighbors exclaimed, what great luck. And he said, well, maybe so, but maybe not. How do we know? And then the old man, he had a strong young son, and the boy fell in love with the new horse, and he rode her every day. But one day, the new horse got spooked by a wild animal and threw the boy from her back, and he broke his leg very badly and was permanently crippled. And all of the old man's neighbors said, what a tragedy. Your strong son will never walk without pain again. What awful luck that is. And the old man said, well, maybe so, but maybe not. How do we know? And so it went that when the new year came, the emperor's army passed through the border region and recruited all the young, able men to fight in the frontier war. But because the old man's son was crippled, he could not fight and was left in the village to farm with his father. And so he said to his neighbors, you see, it all turned out okay in the end. Being thrown from the horse and breaking his leg saved my son from fighting in the war and on almost certain death. So it was in the end a lucky thing after all. 
And though I know most of us in this room don't believe in luck, we believe in the hand of God, I think that the ancient Chinese proverb here depicts so beautifully the beauty and the plans of God in each and every situation. You know, it seems like everyone that I talk to has a desire to make 2020 disappear because it's been such a bad year. And I don't know what they think is going to happen in that 24 hours between December 31st and January 1st that's going to make this next year so great. But of course, we would look outwardly at 2020 and say, oh, this has been an awful year. But I think Jesus, like the wise old Chinese man, would say to us, well, maybe so, but maybe not. How do you know? How do you know? Because he promises that he's working all things together for good. And we know it doesn't mean that all things are good, but it means that he has a good plan for each and everything that he has allowed. God has a beautiful plan of redemption. God has a beautiful plan for salvation. God has a beautiful plan for his glory that he wants to weave into each and every moment of our lives. And in Luke chapter 2, we find a storyline that could be entitled, Days That Were Dark and Difficult. There were people being shuffled everywhere. There was a young girl who was about to have a baby in a barn, and it seemed as though no one quite knew who the true father of this baby was. They could have seemed like awful days, but with God, awful becomes maybe so, maybe not. How do we know? Because we know in retrospect that in Luke chapter 2, God was weaving his redemption into their midst. And in Luke chapter 2, it says, so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. 
Luke 2 opens up in troubled times that they were living in. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you know what it feels like to have no room or no place to go or no space that you feel comfortable in right now. Maybe with COVID, you haven't been able to be with family and friends that you're usually with. Maybe you're feeling the unsteadiness of the future or financial difficulties of being shuffled around. Now, I'm not sure what Mary felt like when she was about to deliver Jesus. But I, for one, cannot imagine climbing on a donkey at the end of any of my pregnancies at all. I remember when I was pregnant with my oldest daughter, Haley, and my husband was a high school pastor here then. And what you did with a high school pastor when they wanted a raise was you put their wife to work. And so I was working in the front office over there, and somebody brought me a paper to copy. And I was probably about seven or eight months pregnant, and I turned around to copy it. And she said, you are so cute. I just want to smack a wide load sign on you you're behind. And I said, oh, okay, here's your paper. And I told Karen, I'll be right back. And I went to the bathroom. (laughs) Because what do you do? And I cannot imagine climbing my wide load up on top of a donkey at the end of my days and then nestling down in a messy, smelly barn to have my baby beside the animals. Their whole world was in an uproar, much like ours is currently. You know, their emperor had decided that he wanted the whole world to be registered. And because he wanted to know where everybody was born and where everybody lived now, he decided that everybody needed to up and move from the place that they were at and go to the place that they were from. Now, I imagine that didn't make sense to some. I imagine that I would be thinking, well, why don't you come to my house where I live now and say to me, where were you born? And I'll tell you, I was born in Bethlehem. And you can say, Okay, and write down Bethlehem. Why would you make everybody move back to the place that they were born to find out where they came from just to then have them go back to where they were from now so you can find out where they are now? And I kind of think we're in that place of being able to relate to the, huh, Well, I don't know that that law that is being passed down quite makes sense to me. I think we might be in that place. We were the bad ones, and we went to Nevada during Thanksgiving. And there's five of us. It was Jason and me and our three kids. And the night before we got there, the Nevada state governor decided that the cases of COVID were so high that now you could still eat inside of a restaurant, but only four people could sit at a table together. So the five of us would drive up in our little van SUV and we would walk into the restaurant and they would put three of us at one table and two of us at another table. Now socially distanced tables, so you're like across the restaurant. To which Jason is left saying very loudly, well, I don't get it because if we're a car full of COVID, why do you want to spread us all around? (laughs) 
And there was one moment because my daughter was back visiting from college and I just wanted to like hang right by her and we were having to sit across the restaurant and I was so frustrated. And so maybe you saw it on Instagram. My son was recording my 18 year old daughter calling me on her phone from across the restaurant saying, mom, be nice, be nice, be nice. It's not their fault. Be nice. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't want to hear it. But maybe we understand. Maybe we understand that place that Mary and Joseph were in where laws didn't quite make sense. And because of that, their whole lives were in upheaval. They had to obey. Government edicts had taken over their world. Their lives were topsy-turvy. And I think 2020 enables us to say a little bit of, yeah, been there, done that. Been there, done that, Mary. I kind of know a little bit about how you're feeling. And yet this Christmas passage excites me and encourages me because it was right during their turned topsy-turvy upside-down world that Jesus entered the picture with his plan for redemption. It says in verse 10 that the angels declared, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all the people. They came to say there are tidings of great joy. And maybe, like me, you thought of the Christmas song when you, when you saw this title of tonight, that there are tidings of comfort and joy. And I started thinking about that song, and I decided to look it up because I wanted to know the history, and we actually don't know very much of it. It was probably written in the 1700s because Charles Dickens mentions it in the book Scrooge in the early 1800s. So it was obviously well known by then. And my son and I are just reading a biography on John Wesley. And we were reading in there that he and his brother Charles wrote hymns not just to sing, not just to have songs, but with the purpose of conveying doctrine and belief to the masses. Because most people back then, they didn't own Bibles. If they did own a Bible, most people couldn't read. And so John and Charles were praying one night and they said, well, how do we get people to know these truths? And God gave them the idea of writing hymns that had doctrinal beliefs in the hymns so that they would learn these songs. And so, though it's not completely known if the Wesley brothers wrote this hymn, they had made it popular the habit of conveying doctrine and conveying belief through songs in that day. And what beautiful doctrine this hymn conveys. It says, God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to Save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. O tidings of comfort and joy. That hymn was written most likely in a time of unrest and upheaval in England. 
And precious girls, I think God would say to us, in the middle of your unrest and your upheaval, let nothing you dismay, because Jesus is here. And those lyrics in that song, they were taken from a time of unrest and upheaval in Bethlehem and all of Israel. Let nothing you dismay, because Jesus has been born and Jesus has been here. And it's spoken to us tonight in the middle of unrest and upheaval. Let nothing you dismay because Jesus is here. That word dismay means a sudden loss of courage or resolution from alarm or fear or sudden disappointment or sudden disillusionment, to break down the courage of completely, as by sudden danger or trouble, to dishearten thoroughly, to daunt, to alarm, to agitate in your mind. The synonyms are to chill, demoralize, discourage, dishearten, frustrate, unman, and unnerve. And I think that if 2020 could have a definition, that just might be it. You know, there's websites that are keeping track of the catastrophes and disasters in 2020. And this year is keeping them busy and funded in their job. It's one of the busiest hurricane seasons ever recorded. This is only the second time in history that the whole alphabetical list of hurricane names has been used up. Forecasters have had to move on to using Greek-lettered names. There have been 29 record storms so far, and 26 of those 29 storms were the earliest to hit in recorded history. This year, we've had the most continental U.S. hurricane landfalls in a single season ever. More than 4 million acres of California has been burned up this year. That doubles the record of 2 million acres in 2018. Five of California's six largest fires in history were burning this year together. Heavy rain set multiple rivers to overflowing in record highs so that 10,000 residents have had to evacuate because of flooding. Phoenix set records with 144 days over 100 degrees. And I think a lot of those days blew into my valley. And I won't even get into the trauma of civil and social unrest, and that's just in America alone. Bushfires of Australia wiped out 44,478,000 acres in that country. Flash floods wiped out a record portion of Indonesia. Volcanic eruptions in Philippines from a volcano that has not erupted in 43 years caused 3 million people to be evacuated from their homes. It said that there was over 45 major earthquakes in multiple countries, and this website was updated in June. So I don't even know where we're at now. But there were plagues of locusts in Asia. East Africa, India, Middle East, and it was the worst recorded in 26 years. Huge portions of Antarctica is currently covered in green snow due to a random bloom of snow algae because it's 2020. So of course... Oh, and I forgot to mention this tiny little world-stopping thing called COVID. That's everything aside from that. And we still have three weeks left. 
left. I don't know, girls. I don't know if we're going to make it. I'm kind of hoping we're just all in heaven by the end of the year. And yet, even if we're not in heaven anytime soon, like the truths that this ancient hymn so beautifully portrays, girls, we can rest because we are kept by God. We can remain merry and full of joy because Christ our Savior was born into this world to save us all from Satan's power. Girls, we are on our way to heaven. And I'm not trying to make light or trite the difficult things that we have walked through this year. But I do know that regardless of how difficult a year it has been, we have Jesus and we're on our way to heaven. Regardless of the upheaval, regardless of the insecurity, we have Jesus to lean on and we're on our way to heaven. Regardless of any sudden disillusionment, we have Jesus and we're on our way to heaven. Girls, we can take courage in the face of discouragement because we have Jesus and we're on our way to heaven. We read this morning, if you're reading the one-year Bible in Amos, to press on to know the Lord. And this year I'm reading the Amplified Version. And it said, press in to know the Lord, meaning that you know he is your greatest, most essential need. And I loved that. Do we know that Jesus, above everything else, is our greatest and most essential need? Are we pressing in to him with all that we are? So I'm teaching my 16-year-old son how to drive right now. Not like right this second, but currently in my life. And a lot of you guys know him, and you're thinking, oh my, is he driving already? I'm kind of glad they live in the desert. And... Overall, I do have to say he's a pretty good driver. His driving instructor did say to him, you're an athlete, aren't you? And my son said, yeah, how can you tell? And he said, I can tell because your reactions are quick and sudden. When I say get over, boom, we're over. When I say we got to stop, boom, we stop. I'm trying to teach him this thing right now called hover because we go from accelerating to braking. Or would it be that way? I don't know. Anyway, all I know is I'm going like this a lot. And I remember when I was teaching my other darling firstborn driver how to drive, she was a very hesitant driver, and that was scary in and of itself, because I'm saying, Haley, we can't get on the freeway going 20, honey, you've got to go a little bit faster. But there's no hesitancy in Jonathan. The second time on the freeway, I'm telling him what to do, and he said, I got this, mom. I got this. I'm like, oh, we're going to die. <laughs> I've had the song, Jesus Take the Wheel, in my head for months now. I don't know any of the other words in the song. But honestly, that's the only phrase I need. Jesus, take the wheel. And maybe right now your life feels like it's being driven by a 16-year-old athlete. And your world is being driven by an overconfident kid who's jerking you around all the places. And then you think about all the regular and awful tragedies that don't stop in the middle of an overly chaotic year. You know, cancer doesn't say, oh, you're kind of busy right now. I'll come back. 
Cancer comes, divorce comes, sickness comes, difficulties come, job losses come. And yet here in Luke chapter 2, in the middle of what could have felt like them being jerked around, Jesus crashes into their darkness and angels declare good tidings of great joy. Great joy. Not even just, hey, good tidings of joy. Good tidings of great joy. Suddenly in the middle of their quiet little life, the glory of God blazes around these shepherds who were just surviving the only way they knew how. And I love that in the middle of their alarm, the angels cry out, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Precious curls in the face of all that could make you afraid tonight. Jesus and his army of angels would cry out to you tonight and say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He brings good tidings of great joy because if God is for us, who can be against us? Don't be afraid because there are more for us than there are against us. Don't be afraid because you are kept by the power of God. Don't be afraid because Jesus has a future and a hope for you. Don't be afraid because your times are in his hands. These angels were saying to the shepherds the same thing that God would say to us tonight. I have got the greatest message that will calm your fears, will soothe your hearts, will capture your attention, and will bring joy to your life. The Messiah is here. He's come. Emmanuel, God with us, has come for you, has come to you, has come in your darkness, has come in your need, has come in your fear, has come in your despair. The message is the same today. Whether we're preaching to the world or we're preaching to ourselves, precious girls, Jesus is here. He's come to save. He's come to fulfill. He's come to protect. He's come to bring order. He's come to bring life and life more abundantly. And with that declaration of such a glorious message, who could help but follow it up with an outburst of praise like the angels do when they suddenly declare and sing, glory to God in the highest, peace and goodwill toward men. And isn't peace always the result when Jesus crashes into our darkness? And isn't goodwill toward men always following when Jesus blazes into our life with his glory? One version records verse 20 of Luke 2 this way. It says, The shepherds returned and let loose, glorifying and praising God for everything that they had heard and seen, because it turned out exactly the way they'd been told. And I love that he records in there that they let loose. And I was praying over us tonight that this year that was meant by the enemy to unravel us would instead let us loose to do the things that God desires for us to do. 
You know, I know you girls know this, but shepherds had awful reputations. They were bound in their sin. They were bound in their reputation. They were bound in their thievery. And yet this revelation of Jesus let them loose from all that had held them away from full surrender to God before And the last stanza of God rest you merry gentlemen portrays the same truths. They write, fear not then said the angel, let nothing you affright. This day is born a savior of a pure virgin bright to free all those who trust in him from Satan's power and might. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Girls, Jesus came to free us. Jesus came to loose our bondage from this world. I know you remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego found in the book of Daniel. You know, that was also a world that was in upheaval. Those boys have been taken from their own country. They were brought in bondage to another country. They were attempted to be brainwashed to believe the edicts of their new world governors. They were threatened with death if they didn't worship a huge idol of gold. And yet those three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stood firm in their belief. They stood firm firm in their trust of God. And when they were threatened by King Nebuchadnezzar, they said to the king, oh, we don't even need to answer you about whether or not we're going to bow our knees and worship you because our God is able to save us. But even if he chooses not to, we're still going to worship him alone. At the order of the king, The guards bound them up at their garments with their turbans, with their coats, and with their trousers, and he cast them bound into the fire. But in that fire, Jesus showed up. And Daniel writes that suddenly they were loosed and walking around in the fire. And you girls know the story. King Nebuchadnezzar is looking at those who survived the fire around him. And he's saying, well, wait, how many boys did we throw in there? And they said three. And he said, but why do I see four? And why are they all walking around? And the testimony that others saw in them was that there was no other God who could deliver like this God. Girls, is that the testimony of this year? Because I know that we could focus on a lot. I know that we could talk about the difficult things. I know that we could talk about the tragedies. I know that we could get really negative really quick. But can't we also say a little bit that, that we, what we were bound with has been loosed by God? Can't we also talk about the ways that God has come through, the ways that he's provided, the ways that he's brought us great joy, and our mouths can be filled with good tidings of great joy because what was intended to bind and destroy, God is using to loose us. God is using to reveal his presence to us in a greater way. So we can rejoice. Why? Because 2020 is almost over? No, because Jesus has come. Because Emmanuel, God is with us. We can rejoice with great tidings of great joy because we're not even alone for a second. You're not even hashtag alone together. You're like hashtag together together because Jesus is with you constantly. He's your ever-present help in time of need and we can cry out to him for help at any moment. 
These shepherds in Luke chapter 2, it says that they rejoiced because it had been found just as they were told it would be. Girls, good tidings of great joy can be proclaimed to, uh, by us because Jesus will always be found by us. And he will always be found just as he told us that he would be found. He said to us, he made a promise to us. He said, when you seek me, I will be found by you. We will find him to be perfect in his peace, just like he said we would in his word. We will find the fullness of joy in his presence, just like he told us that we would. We will find his riches to satisfy completely, just like he told us that we would. We will find his word not returning void, just like he told us we would. We will find that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us, just like he told us that we would. I love verse 9 of Luke chapter 2 in the New Living Translation. It says that suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of God's glory surrounded them. What a beautiful picture of the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounding them in their time of fear, in their time of wonder, in their time of confusion. The radiance of the Lord's glory was surrounding them. And in Zechariah chapter 2 verse 5, it says, for I I, declares the Lord, will be a wall of fire around her, and I will be the glory in her midst. And it's speaking of Jerusalem there, but if God makes a habit of surrounding that which he loves, then I think we're safe to say that we are surrounded as well. You are surrounded You're surrounded. You're surrounded by the love of God. You're surrounded by the peace of God. You're surrounded by the radiance of God. You are surrounded with the one who loves you more than anyone else ever could love you. So tidings, good tidings of comfort and great joy as we remember who it is in this season who has been born in your midst. Good tidings of great joy as we remember why Christ the Lord has come. Good tidings of great joy as we remember that Christ the Lord is here in our midst as a wall of fire around us. Good tidings of great joy as we remember that like the book of Psalms tells us that in his presence, the mountains melt like wax. So what is it that you need melted before you tonight? What bindings do you need melted? Don't fear the fire around. You are surrounded by the strong love of Jesus. The only thing that this fire will destroy is that which holds you away from God. And I love that instantly in their fear that the shepherds were surrounded by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God together with them. Don't you wish that the sky could just open up and we would see that. Someday we will, girls, and I cannot wait. 
But right now, until we see that with our own eyes, until our faith becomes sight, are we intentionally remembering that in our fear, we are surrounded by the God who melts mountains like wax. And we are surrounded by his host of heavenly armies that is guiding us to heaven. Whether you would say this was a great year, whether you would say this was a bad year, and again, like the ancient Chinese prophet, maybe so, maybe not. How do you know? How do you know if it's a good year? How do you know if it's a bad year? We can know that it's good because God is promising to work all things together for good. Last year, I think it was about this time, I was speaking at a church and doing their Christmas dessert like this one, and their theme was magnify. And I kind of just loved it because it was the word magnify with an exclamation mark. And it was from Luke chapter 1 where Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. And I remember God giving me this picture, and I think I've told this story before at Women's Bible Study years ago, so I'm so sorry if you remember it. Don't get up and leave just because you've heard it before. Um, But I remember being a little girl. My great-grandma lived in Fresno, and so we would go and visit her a couple times a year. And I remember that I loved laying down on her green shag carpet, which now as an adult, I think, well, I don't know how often a 92-year-old vacuums a green shag carpet. And so I look at little me in my mind and I say, get up, get up, it's dirty. But I loved laying down looking up at her because she had this magnifying glass that she would clamp onto the side of her desk. And I actually know that they still make these because now my grandma lives with me and I just bought her one, Amazon, $49.99. And so it clamped onto the side of my great grandma's desk and she would bring this giant magnifying glass over her eye. And I loved laying down looking up at her Because her eye was so huge. And it would go from two eyes into one eye. It was like a cyclops, but I didn't know what a cyclops was. The first time I saw a cyclops, I was like, it's my grandma. And so God had given me this picture last Christmas as I'm teaching this dessert-themed magnify. And he basically said to me, I want you to get on some carpet for the next 30 days, and I want you to look up at me. Because, you know, you think about what is a magnifying glass. It means to make something big. And David declared, magnify the Lord with me. And so what does that mean, that we make God big? Oh, no, he's so vast. He's so mighty. He's so huge. But you know what we do have to do? We have to make God big to our mind. We have to make God big to our hearts because I don't know about you, but sometimes 2020 can get kind of magnified. Sometimes I'm just thinking, I got to turn off the news. I got to stop talking to people. I can't breathe in masks. I don't know how they sing in them. I kept like looking because I can't even have a conversation without it like sucking to the back of my soul while I'm trying to talk. And I kept just looking at their faces thinking, how are they singing with these things on? We can magnify so many things. And yet Mary, Mary, at the coming of Jesus, she said, my soul magnified the Lord. In a time where her future was uncertain, because what does that look like? Back in that century, to get pregnant 
with a baby when you're not married and to try to tell your betrothed husband that the baby is God's. How's that conversation going to go? I mean, do we like really think about these things that we're reading? Like, do you put yourself into Mary's days leading up to the conversation with Joseph? So, hey, let's sit down for a minute because I got to tell you something. How does that go? And yet in that moment of an uncertain future, in that moment of confusing times, Mary declared, my soul magnifies the Lord. Girls, are we magnifying God? And so it's kind of embarrassing to talk about, but God put on my heart to write a book about that, about being about magnifying God. See, I can't even talk about it. I get embarrassed. Um, God put on my heart to write a book about magnifying God. And I needed it in my own heart because I can magnify the wrong things all day long. I can magnify what he said. I can magnify what she did. I can magnify what I don't have. I can magnify what I wish I had. And God says to me, magnify me. David said, magnify the Lord with me. And so God put on my heart at that moment to write a book. And I said, well, I don't know how I'm going to do that because I'm kind of busy. And he said, oh, I'm going to give you time. And I thought, well, maybe I'm going to get sick. And he kept saying, I'm going to give you time. I'm going to give you time. Hello, COVID. Everybody's got time. And so I wrote a book, and it's up here. Okay, I will hold it up because Haley designed the cover, and it's just darling. Isn't that so cute? And basically what God put on my heart, and you don't even have to buy the book. You can do this on your own, and it'll be better. What God put on my heart to do was to choose 30 different attributes of his. And I was reading in the book of Daniel where Daniel knelt down three times a day praying to God. What was he doing in the middle of all the edicts saying, you can't pray, you can't can't pray, you can pray. He's saying, I'm going to magnify God. And he faced his windows and three times a day he prayed. And so God put on my heart, pick an attribute, get on your knees. And three times a day, I want you to pray and I want you to magnify me and I want you to glorify me. And so I kind of wrote all that down and it turned into a book. You can buy it if you want to afterward, but you can really do it on your own, I promise. But basically it comes back to what will we magnify? Because there are good tidings of great joy all over the place. There are good tidings of great joy. If we will get on the carpet, get on the rug, get on a wood floor and lift our eyes heavenward and magnify the one who has come to save, the one who is Emmanuel, God with us, the one who has come to bring redemption, the one who has come to bring salvation, the one who has come to bring good tidings of great joy to our lives every day. Will we lift our eyes to him? And with that, I just want us to close our eyes. And and I just feel like maybe there's some mountains in the room. And it's kind of easy to focus on the mountains. And it's kind of easy to forget that these giant mountains in our lives melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. And so maybe you have a mountain tonight and you're just kind of tired of focusing on that mountain and it becomes so big to you and it becomes 
like a mountain weight on your heart. And it's all you can see. And it's your only focus. And I think with every eye closed that God would say to you, precious one, would you lift your eyes up to me? There is good tidings of great joy available to you because he's come. And if that's you, and if maybe you're, you're, you've been focused on a mountain and, and it just has captured your attention and maybe you're struggling with anxiety or depression over it or fear or angst, and if that's you and you're just ready to surrender that mountain to the, to the God whose presence melts mountains, with every eye closed, would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you? God, I lift up all these precious hands that are raised. I think I'll go ahead and raise my own too. <laughs> God, we've got mountains and they capture our attention. We've got mountains and yet, Lord, you said that by faith those mountains can be thrown into the sea. And yet I love it because it's not even our faith. It's, it's our faith in the presence of the God who is greater, the God who is bigger. That thing can be cast into the sea because it melts in your presence. And God, I lift up these precious girls and their mountains that they're struggling with. They're mountains that are keeping them from good tidings of great joy. They're mountains that are keeping them from eyes lifted up. And God, I'm sure like me, maybe they're struggling. They lift their eyes up to you and then they put their eyes on their mountain and they lift their eyes up to you. They put their eyes on their mountain and feel like maybe there's a couple more hands that need to go up. It's not too late to raise your hands. But God, maybe even our hands up could be symbolic of us just giving our mountains to you. God, we can't remove them. We can't do anything about them. Our eyes on them only makes them bigger. It only makes them worse. God, we want to be those who instead are focused on you with good tidings of great joy. And then every eye still closed and hands back down. I feel like maybe there's some in the room tonight. And either you don't know this God who loves you so incredibly, who came to to crash into your darkness, who came to forgive you of your sins, who came to bring salvation to you. Maybe you don't know him or maybe you're far from him. And maybe it's not even a farness that anybody would notice. Maybe, but maybe, maybe it's something that you know. Maybe you've made a turn. Maybe you've made a tiny little compromise that you know is going to lead you into a path, into a direction away from God. And so if you're in here tonight, and you don't know him, or you're far from him, or you've turned a tiny bit from him, you've left your first love, and you're ready to surrender. You're ready for his forgiveness. You're ready for his salvation. You're ready for his plan of redemption, because maybe your plan is not going so well. <laughs> maybe, maybe your plan has not worked out too good. And maybe you're in here tonight and you're ready to surrender with every eye closed. And if that's you, either you don't know Jesus or you're kind of far from him right now, would you raise your hand? So 
there anyone who just needs to surrender? Anyone who wants to come back, turn closer, give their lives? God, I lift up. I lift up the hands that are up, Jesus. And girls, if you don't know him, you can just cry out to him, God, would you be my savior? God, would you forgive me of my sins? God, would, would you help me come back to you? Would, would you help you be the most important thing in my life? Would you get my eyes back on you? Would you be my savior? And God, I lift up every other precious girl in this room. I pray, Lord, boldness over our mouths. When the shepherds came to see if what, what they heard was actually true or not, they went away rejoicing. And I can only imagine that they told everybody around them the good news of salvation, the good news of the Messiah. And I pray, Jesus, for those of us in here who know you, God, would you put that message on our lips in a bold way? Make us like Jeremiah to where we can't even keep our mouths shut or the message just burns within our heart. God, this world needs to know you. Would you make our mouths bold? Would you make us aware of those who need your message? Would you wake us up each day desiring to be used by you? Desiring to be used as the messengers of good tidings, of great joy. Great joy because the King has come. Great joy because the Messiah is here. Great joy because redemption is unfolded. Great joy because you have brought peace in the midst of our chaos. God, would you make us vessels of great joy, we pray. And it's in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for letting me come. And I love you girls. Um, I think that there's going to be girls up here who are available for prayer. And so if you want somebody to pray for you, if you want somebody to pray with over anything, you gave your life to Jesus and you want to come and talk to one of them, which I would encourage you to do. If you've got troubles, if anything that you want prayer for at all, they'll be up here to pray for you. And I love you girls and Merry Christmas.